And let's go to Galatians, all right? Galatians, where we'll be. And Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. And I'll just stay up here at the pulpit this evening. And I couldn't find my lapel mic, and that is all right, okay? But uh, Galatians chapter 6 is where we will be. And we looked at this last sun, or I'm sorry, last Wednesday, beginning in this chapter last Wednesday, and we came, we come back to it this evening. Keep in mind as we do that Paul is giving these Galatian believers here some very practical applications, uh, very simple instructions that he's giving to them as he's going from his arguments for the gospel to the applications of the gospel, but just giving them some plain old practical advice as it pertains their new life. In Jesus Christ, as it pertains to their new family that they have, and that is the family of God, of course. But he's given them some new advice. And the first piece of advice we saw uh, last Wednesday, at least, at least that we considered, was this. He, he encouraged us, encouraged these believers, encouraged us today to restore a brother who has been overtaken in a fault. A brother who has backslidden, a brother that has been overtaken in a fault to restore such a one. And I want to remind you again this evening that when it comes to a fellow believer who may be away from the Lord, a fellow believer who may be entangled by sin or overtaken in a fault, I want to encourage you once again that we should restore such a one. All right? Uh, to mend it, to mend, it's like a broken bone, to mend that relationship and to restore such a one, not to cast them out or shun them or shame them or push them further into despair. Uh, we, we shouldn't do, as a one old timer said, kill our wounded, all right? We shouldn't, we shouldn't do that, even though some people think that's their spiritual gift. Uh, anyway, uh, we shouldn't do that, all right, to kill our wounded and hurt our own. But rather, we should restore such a one. Why? The Bible's plain. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Listen, we're all made the same dirt. We're all made the same stuff. There's no amount of holiness that we could ever conjure up that is be beyond temptation. Because we all face the same temptation, as the Bible says, the temptation that is common to man. And therefore, since we all face it, then we all have a, the capability to, to fall or the capability of being overtaken in a fault. So we have a responsibility to help that fallen brother to be restored, to restore such a one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So that's the first piece of advice he gives us when it comes to our new life in Christ, when it comes to working in the family of God. Here's another piece of advice he gives us. As we come to verse 2 through 5 here in Galatians chapter number 6. And it's this piece of advice. You ready? If you're taking notes, it's the title of the message. And it's very simple, but it's helping a burdened brother. Helping a burdened brother. Look at it with me. Galatians chapter 6 and look at verse number 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if any man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own, his own burden. Our Father, as we consider this text this evening and consider this, this uh, principle of helping a burdened brother, 
I pray to help us all be that kind of individual, be burden bearers to encourage each other, help one another, to bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Help us in this hour. Help us to focus in on the word of God. Help me to teach it and to preach it as you'd have us to do so. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we're looking into it this evening, there's a phrase I'd like to draw to your attention as we jump to the message, and it's found in verse number 2, and I want you to see it with me, verse number 2, where it says, Bear ye one another's burdens. But the phrase is this, one another. Now, to me, as I read this, this is a really great phrase. It really is fantastic phrase to keep this in our hearts and minds. It should be kept in our vocabulary, and it's this phrase, one another. Another, allow this phrase to take root in your heart. One, another. Because understand, the Bible uses this phrase in the context of believers, of believers often. I think it's over a dozen times. I counted it today again. I think it's around 13 times you will read in Scripture this phrase when it says, Love one another. 13 times. You can find it in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Again in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, But as touching brotherly love, ye need, need not that I write unto you, for yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. There's so many other ones, of course, it says that very phrase, to love one another. You'll find the phrase again in the context of praying one for another. In James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. You'll find it again as we encourage and edify each other in the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse number 11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify, that's encourage, build up, edify, one another, even as also you do. You'll find it in relation to kindly affectioned one to another, which just means tender toward each other. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Now, I'm laying some foundational principles here, foundation here, because we're about to jump into a text to another admonition of one another that all these will tie into, I believe. But the admonition we're going to look at this evening as we consider this phrase, one another, is this one. Bear ye one another's burdens. Some simple advice that Paul has given to us. And it's some practical uh, instruction that we all should take to heart and apply to our own life to bear one another's burdens. And from this text and from this phrase, I want to see this. Number one, I want to see this word, to bear, all right? To bear. Now, what does it mean to bear? What does it mean when it says, bear ye one another's burdens? Well, this word, it means to take up with the hands. It means to lift up or to pick up. It means to take upon yourself with the intention of helping to carry away or, or to, to give relief toward. And this taken up, by the way, is an intentional act on your part. It's a willful act on our part. It comes from a willful Heart, but this is what it means to to bear, to lift up, to pick up. And a great Bible example that kind of kind of paints a picture for us to to bear or to carry is found when the Roman soldiers were leading the Lord Jesus Christ 
to Mount Calvary. And as they did so, they uh, compelled a man, really they um, uh, all but arrested a man by the name of Simon. It was Simon uh, from Cyrenian, but not Simon Peter that we know of, but a different Simon. But they compelled him to bear, to carry, to lift up the cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in Luke 23, 26, And they led him, that's Jesus, as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. So picture in your mind that Jesus was being led up the, up the road to Calvary, but Simon is carrying his cross behind him, bearing his cross, putting this cross that, that, that Jesus is about to hang upon, upon his shoulder and carrying it to Calvary. And whether he realized it or not, Simon it is, he was giving some relief to Jesus as he bore this burden, as he bore this cross for Jesus. This is what it means, though. The word bear simply means to take up with your hands and to carry in order to give some kind of relief to the person who is burdened. So that's what bear means. That's point number one. Point number two. Moving pretty quick tonight, all right? Point number two. Not only see to bear, but point number two, I want to see the burden. Because this is what we are to give relief from the burdens. Now look, look at your Bible with me. Look at Galatians chapter number 2 and Galatians chapter number 5. For in both of these verses you will find that word burden. You will find that word burden. And as you read them you would think there might be a, a contradiction here. But there's no contradiction. I want, I want you to re- look at it with me. Verse number 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Then jump down to verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. And it would seem that uh, Paul is being contradictory. He's saying, look, we need to bear one of those burdens, but then you've got to bear your own burden. Is that not a contradiction? Well, no, it's not at all. You see, there's no contradictions in Scripture at all. I don't believe there are whatsoever. And for anybody to say there is, they're not rightly dividing the word of truth, definitely not in its proper context, both grammatical and historical. All right. So anybody that says there's contradictions, don't listen to them. They're a liar. Amen. All right. There's no contradiction here. You see, the word in verse number 2, that's for burden, is the Greek word baros. And it simply means heaviness or a heavy weight or burdensome or troublesome. And the word for burden in verse number 5 is the Greek word for teon. And it means a task or a service or a duty. This would be like a soldier carrying his battle bag. Because it's his, his, it's his duty to do so. That is his burden to carry. That is his uh, service and his duty for his country to carry that battle bag. So the word in verse number 5 is dealing more with service. And that service is to be shouldered individually. Because everybody has their burden to carry. Everybody has their service in the body of Christ Everyone has their duty, right? Everyone does. But the word in verse number 2 is dealing more with a strain or a sorrow. And this burden is not to be shouldered. Listen, it's to be shared. It's a different burden. And we all need to share in these burdens. Why? Because we all need help. Am I the only one that needs help? <laughs> no. Man, we all need help. 
We all have burdens. We all have strain and sorrows. We all face them. Has anybody ever faced a burden before? I'm going to answer for you. Yes. <laughs> we all have them. Of course we do. If you are alive and you've had a burden or two, you've felt the strain of life once or twice or many times, you've felt the sorrows of life, I'm sure, more than once. Just as Job would say in Job 14.1, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. We all have our troubles. We all have burdens in our life and maybe. Some of you this evening are carrying one even now. You're here and you're burdened this evening, this evening on the Wednesday evening prayer meeting. You're burdened. Don't know what it may be. Maybe you're burdened with the financial burdens. I mean, in, inflation has absolutely hit everybody's pocketbook or wallet. The cost of living has gone out of the roof, and you spend $100 in groceries, it gets you about three bags of groceries. You know, that's insane. Maybe you're here and you have a physical burden. And yes, as we age, so does our body. And there can be some physical ailments that uh, are unwanted and didn't plan on, but they happen. Maybe you're here and you're burdened with spiritual things. Uh, maybe you have loved ones that on your heart and they're wavered and you've been praying for them for some time to return to, return to the Lord. Maybe you have some family friends who are unsaved and they're just a burden upon your heart. You're burdened for them. You're burdened for friends, burdened for family. I get that completely. Maybe you're burdened for the state of our country and the mess that she is in and wonder what will be left of, of her for your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids or whatever when they become adults. You know. Maybe you're burdened even for the state of our churches. The apathy and lukewarmness, the coldness, and some of it just flat-out deadness of some of our churches that plague them. All of us are carrying some burdens of some kind, whatever it may be. We all have some kind of strain or sorrow in life. And in some cases, there's multiple strains and multiple sorrows, multiple burdens at one time. All of us, listen, are going through something. You know what? All of us are. We all have a burden. But what are we to do? What are we to do with each other's burdens? Well, I'm going to tell you what we're not to do, all right? We are not to be like these Judaizers again. That's the... The overall theme and text behind Galatians, why Paul is writing. Because these Judaizers have come down to this area of Galatia and these churches begin to teach and preach this false, false gospel. What they were doing is they were adding more burden upon these Galatian believers as they have infiltrated the Galatian churches with this false teaching, loading them down with unbearable burdens of the law and Jewish traditions. Again, adding work to the finished work of Christ uh, what they were doing was taking away from the liberty and grace that they have found in Jesus Christ, but they were putting burdens upon them again. And by the way, that kind of religious burden Jesus denounced, even while he was here in, in, in physical form and ministry here on earth, he denounced it, uh, the Jewish leaders, for doing this very thing of adding burdens upon people. He said this in Matthew 23 and verse 4, For they bind heavy burdens, talking about the Pharisees and those religious leaders of the day, they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Even Peter made this statement at the Jerusalem council as they were even uh, 
debating back and forth if the Judaizers were right or not. But in Acts chapter 15, verses 10 through 11, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as, as they. Now that's what the Judaizers were doing, though. They were putting burdens upon these dear people these Galatian churches, it's the overall context that we're doing. Adding rituals and rules to the free grace of God and liberty that they have in the Lord now. They were just burdening these people. And if you didn't follow their rules, if you didn't follow their teachings, then they were very extremely hard on you. And the legalistic Pharisee was always harder on the people than he'd ever be upon himself. That's how it works. They're just burdensome. We're not to be like these legalists. We're not to be like these Judaizers, these Pharisees in Scripture to add burdens to already existing burdens for people to carry. So we don't add. No, rather we take away from their burdens. But how? As the Bible says, by bearing them up, by carrying them, by helping each other in these burdens, by sharing the load if we can. By bearing them up in order to provide some kind of relief. Bear ye one another's burdens. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, here's how we do it. Through the law of Christ. Look at it again, verse number 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Through the law of Christ. Now, you say, preacher, I thought we're not to add laws and rituals like the Judaizers were doing. That's not what I'm getting at, all right? And that's not what the Bible is teaching either. That's not what this means here. Paul is not adding another law for them to observe. Rather, he's really just um, exposing, I guess I could say it that way, or really showing an existing foundational law already, the law of Christ. And what is that law that he's talking about in verse number 2? What is this one? It's, it's simple, I'm telling you. It's so simple. We get it so mixed up sometimes, but here is the law of Christ. You ready? Mark in, your, in the margin of your Bible there beside verse number 2, John chapter 13 and verse 34 through 35. Listen to what it says. Jesus speaking. A new commandment, law, I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you. And ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. And again, in John chapter 15 and verse number 12, this is my commandment, again, a law, that ye love one another as I have loved you. So the law of Christ he is talking about and speaking of is simply this. It's the law of love. It's foundational. The law of love, especially one to another, it is absolutely foundational when it comes to our relationship with one another in the body of Christ. Love is foundational. Now, if you remember... Paul already explained this to us in the previous chapter and verse number 5 and verse 13. Uh, I'm sorry, in chapter 5, verse 13. Chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Look at it with me. It says this, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Listen, he's already laid the foundation. How are we to bear one of those burdens? By, 
by love and through love and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul is saying, look, when you help each other in their burdens and in their strains and you lift one another up in their times of sorrow, you are showing the tender, loving care of Jesus to that fellow believer. Jesus, listen, Jesus wants to use you and me more than we could ever imagine, probably more than we ever want to be used in this fashion to bear one of those burdens by loving on them and helping them. I'm telling you, listen, by loving someone, we're allowing Christ to use us and to work through us and to show the love of Jesus to them. Just as Jesus loves us and cares for us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care upon him. Why? He cares for you. It's amazing how God wants to use us this way to bear one another's burdens in the family of God. But what does that tender, loving care look like when it comes to um, fulfilling the law of Christ and it comes to bearing one another's burdens? What exactly does it look like? Because I want to be right in that area. Well, I can't tell exactly what it looks like, but I do believe the overriding theme of bearing one another's burdens is going to come this way, though it may look a little different about a few things. I'm convinced it's going to come in this form, though. Some form of encouragement. I don't know exactly what that means all the time, though. A form of encouragement may be different for you than it is for me. But it's going to come in some form of encouraging one another. I want you to know something. Encouragement is a powerful, powerful thing. It is a powerful thing thing in the body of Christ. It is a powerful thing in the family of God. But what does encouragement mean? Well, what does encouragement mean? It means this, the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. It means to put courage into, thus the word encourage. But it's the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. What do you need when you are burdened? with strain of life or sorrow of life. You need something like this. You need some kind of support. You need some kind of confidence or some kind of hope. How does that come? In some form of encouragement. That's what it means. That's what encouragement means. Encouragement would be like this. It's like trying to teach your child to ride a bike. You ever done that? Try to teach your kid to ride a bike? Yeah, me too. One got it. The other one... We're buying more helmets and other stuff for her, all right? But anyway, teaching them to ride a bike. It's kind of like that. We try to encourage them to do so. You see, when you teach your kid to ride a bike, your kid begins to get a little nervous, maybe even scared. But as a parent, you want them to have the courage to continue to ride that bike. So as they're on the bike, and maybe you got a hold of the handlebar, maybe the back of the seat, and uh, there's no training wheels this time. It's kind of all on their own, but you're there to encourage them, right? But you try to help them to learn the bike, learn how to ride the bike. And so what you do, you put courage into them. You encourage them to continue riding the bike even after you let go. And so after you let go, you become their greatest cheerleader. You look at them as, as you let go going down the hill, probably down the hill, give them a little motivation, all right. But going down the hill, you say, look, you got this. Keep going. Keep pedaling. Don't stop. Keep going. Hey, keep your eyes forward. Look out for that tree. Eh, you know, anyway. But uh, encourage them. You become their greatest cheerleader at that moment. All this cheerleading that you give them gives them the confidence 
and support that they need and hope that they need to continue. It gives them the motivation because you're putting courage into them to keep going. And that's exactly what we need as brothers and sisters in Christ, especially, listen, as we're carrying around burdens. We need somebody to be a cheerleader. We need somebody to encourage us. We need to be encouragers. That's what it means to bear one another's burdens, to encourage each other, encourage one another. Now, there's a great encourager in Scripture, and you know him, we know him, as Barnabas. And he was a great encourager. He encouraged, he encouraged the Lord's people. He encouraged the apostles. He was just such a great encourager. And you can see many times in his life as you just go down through the book of Acts how he encouraged people. He encouraged by giving. He, he just encouraged by giving. You remember in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 36 through 37, that Barnabas sold his property and laid the money at the apostles' feet for the ministry. He encouraged them by giving. He believed the Lord and believed in what they were doing, and he gave to the ministry. And besides, that's kind of in the context. We'll get to it next time. But in the context of, of verse 6, I'm sorry, verse 7 through verse number 9 of the principle of sowing and reaping, but he, he was an encourager by giving. He was an encourager when he put his arm around the apostle Paul. In Acts chapter number 9, verse 26 through 28, when everybody else was scared to death of Saul, now Paul, and they didn't believe he was actually a disciple, they didn't believe he was actually a preacher of the gospel, Barnabas, the Bible says, took him and brought him down to the company to the rest of the apostles. No one else would do it, but who would? Barnabas did Sometimes a form of encouragement is just an arm around somebody's shoulder to let them know, hey, look, it's going to be okay. I'm here with you. I'm here for you. Sometimes encouragement from Barnabas just came by being present and be a helper in the work of the Lord. Again, he did this when he went on his first missionary journey with Paul. He just went with them and served alongside with him, preached with him, encouraged others with Paul, just being present. And just so you know, your presence at church encourages me highly, all right? It really does. I'm thankful that you're here. But Barnabas encouraged Paul by just being with him. Again, also Barnabas encouraged Mark, John Mark, when, he, when John Mark left and forsook Barnabas and, and Paul on the mission field that one day. He got scared and went back home. But what did, what did Barnabas do? He gave him a second chance. He saw some potential in his life and said, come on, no, let's go serve the Lord together. Give him another chance sometimes. That's a great form of encouragement and bearing one another's burdens. Listen, encouragement could just be sitting and listening to a hurting brother or sister. Now, this has happened several times with me. When someone come carrying a burden, Pastor, I just need to talk with you. Sure, I'm happy to. Let's go to the office. We'll talk. And so I sit down. They sit down. I say, all right, what's, what's going on? Everything okay? What's on your heart? And for the next several minutes, moments, whatever it may be, they just pour out their heart. And I don't say a word. <laughs> Maybe 30 minutes go by, an hour goes by, whatever, and they just pour their heart out to the Lord, and they're like, oh, praise the Lord. Pastor, thank you so much for being such a great counselor. Oh, you're so wise, this, yet, and the other. I'm like, I didn't say a word. 
I'm just sitting here listening, being a sounding board. That's exactly what they needed. Just to sit there and somebody to listen. To hear their burden upon their heart. Upon their mind. Sometimes that's all we need to do. As a form of lifting someone's burden, encouraging them, just, ah, just listen. Just listen. There's many things we can do to encourage each other. Again, I can't boil it down to this one specific thing, but I think it's all-encompassing in this word, though. Encouraging. We all have burdens. But through these burdens, we must bear them together. Bear ye one another's burdens. These, these strains, these sorrows, to bear them together. And you don't have to put them on your shoulder alone. Why? Because we're all in this together. We all need help. As I said at the very beginning when we prayed, we all need help. We all do. Everybody's carrying something. It may be a little different. Maybe a little heavier than what you're used to. Maybe a little darker. I don't know. But we're all carrying something. And sometimes multiple somethings. We bear one of those burdens. And here's another way we do it. As the Bible says in James chapter number 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Here it is. Pray one for another. To pray for each other. There are things that I may not be able to help on a personal level. There are things that you may not be able to help on a personal level. But we know someone who can as we serve a personal Savior. And I can take your name and your need to our great God in heaven and intercede on your behalf. And that's exactly what we do on Wednesday evenings as we come together for Wednesday night prayer meeting. We pray. We lift our burdens, uh, voice our burdens to one another and, and to pray one for another. And I know sometimes we don't like to necessarily voice them in a public setting, but we may voice them in a more private setting to pray. That's fine. But still, we bear one of those burdens how? By praying one for another.